The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode 154. Talk about authentic copywriting with Lucy Bedoui. Lucy Bedoui is the founder and CEO of My Right Hand Woman, a copywriting business she started when she was only 22 years old during the pandemic, right after graduating from college. Lucy has managed to scale her business to six figures within the first two years. Her mission is to give women the personality-packed words they need to stand out and scale so they can be successful because of who they are, not despite it. Lucy is full of knowledge, and I cannot wait for you all to hear what she has to share. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey friends, before we start this week's episode, I want to let you know of a new cool thing that we've got going on for you. Now, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was launching a brand new mastermind called Spotlight Sprint. And back then, when we launched, I thought maybe that would be the only one we did this year. But then life has a way of doing this. My schedule changed. And so now I am extremely pleased to announce our next cohort of Spotlight Sprint is beginning on October 17th, and it runs through November 21st. Now, if you're thinking, Renee, I don't remember. What's a Spotlight Sprint? It is a brand new take on the mastermind built for the reality of the business you're currently potentially feeling overwhelmed by because we all feel that way this year. So I want to ask you, what have you done for your business this year? Not for your clients, but for you and your business. This year has tested our resolve, our patience, our sanity, our stamina, and our client demands have likely sidelined your business goals. But it's not too late. I mean, there's still like 90 something days left in the year. It's not too late to turn it around. Spotlight Sprint is a six week program that maximizes results while not taking over your whole life. I really feel like this new format will help us maximize our time together and create community and accountability that will weave into the life you're already living and make that life richer and easier and more abundant. We had a tremendous time the past six weeks with our first cohort. I just, I can't even tell you how impactful and amazing the community was, the results were, the self-development was. It was just a rich, amazing time. If this sounds like something you're interested in, I really want you to go to reneedallow.com forward slash spotlight sprint. Again, that's reneedallow.com forward slash spotlight sprint. We begin on Monday, October 17th. All the information is on that page for you, and I hope that you'll consider joining us for what will actually be the final Spotlight Sprint this year. Now, on with the show. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your girl, Renee Dallow. And frankly, where else would I be? I named this after myself. I am here this week with the lovely and talented Lucy Bedewi. Lucy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? 
Did I say your name correctly? You did. I'm very proud. It's all you because you gave me the phonetic spelling. (laughs) Although I will say, you know what's funny? I literally have a show that has my name in it. And the other week I was in, um, well, I want to say where I was, but I was somewhere speaking on stage. And the person introduced me as Renee Dalo after saying that they listened to the show. And I was like, oh, so I've only said Renee Dalo like 200 times now. But so it's funny, like. You know, people look at the look at a combination of letters and make their own choices. <laughs> Honestly, some people even add in letters. Like I've been Bedevois and I'm like, wow, I'm French now. Oh. So, you know, when you have like an interesting last name, I feel like you definitely get some interesting interpretations. Bedouwa. I know it's so like I know it sounds so European. Yeah. So French. I'm like, I just I got elevated it. in bought a Chanel bag. Wow. Okay, hi. <laughs> I am very pro you but anyone buying a Chanel bag if that's what they want. Go for it. So we are talking today about writing copy that converts. And, you know, before we started recording, you and I talked briefly about like, you know, who's listening to this show? And I was really like, it's wedding pros who may or may not be writing their own copy. And that might or might not be a good thing. (laughs) So I want you as the expert here, I want to just dive into, you know, what makes memorable copy in your opinion yeah i think when it comes to writing copy whether you're working with a professional or you're diying what it really comes down to is the voice and i'm always hesitant to say your voice you being the listener who has the business because truthfully it's so much deeper than that you know you might be a part of your brand but you're crafting a brand and that brand has its own personality that exists on its own even if it is a personal brand So I think when it comes down to being memorable, it comes down to just unapologetically leaning into your brand voice and making it so if you are blunt, you're just going for it. Or if you're really empathetic, (laughs) you're like making sure that's in there. You know, you're just, it's all about the commitment and staying consistent with that voice that you decided to cultivate for your business. Yeah, I love that so much. It's funny because I think, I don't know, I think what you said is, is a real like fresh modern take on that. I know when I started a million years ago, like there were some things that we were expected to have. I'm using air quotes, y'all like expected to say, expected to have on a website, especially for a wedding planner. And I just, I think over the years we've kind of blown that wide open. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just worked with a wedding photographer and on our first like discovery call when she was telling me about her business, she's like, so I think I need to tell you something. And I was like, Oh, okay. And she's like, I'm divorced. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, we can talk about that. You can talk about how you're divorced on your about page. And she's like, really, I can, but I'm supposed to be like, love is a fairy tale. And I'm like, but that's the best part. So really like standing out is doing things that are against the grain. Yes, I, I, there was a time when I was redoing my website. Uh, it was, I unfortunately timed my, re, my redo of my website to, be, uh, to begin March, 2020. <laughs> so it was a tough time for everybody. But no, I had a, a full on conversation with my designer and who also did copywriting for me to say like, I want there to be something on, on my website that says your wedding won't be perfect. I love that. Because what wedding's I, perfect. Right, there is no such thing. And I think it, I, love, I love that the industry is evolving, although the wedding industry evolves so slowly, into a more realistic um, interpretation of a wedding and what it means and how it is perfectly imperfect. And so we ended up going with perfectly imperfect as opposed to your wedding day will not be perfect. But I think there's still a future version of me where there is a page on my website that says your wedding won't be perfect. <laughs> your wedding That's will just be on like, fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, not, not literally, but, you know, figuratively, <laughs> sure, it'll be on fire. <laughs> Talk to me more about you know, the difference between the brand voice and the personal voice, because I know for myself, 
when I think about like me, Renee, I'm a Gemini, right? So like me, my best self is a certain way, but then also my like shadow self is another way. And like, I don't think I want my shadow self writing for the website. So like, what do you think about that? Yeah, so I like to think about it visually. So you have two circles and one circle is you. So if you're like really rebellious and liberal and you try and speak like this formal librarian lady, you know, like <laughs> it's gonna sound so fake and so weird and you're gonna hate your yeah. copy. So there obviously has to be some aspects of who are you? How do you speak? How do you usually interact with people? And I think that's honestly the easy part. I mean, we've all taken enough Myers-Briggs tests to know like kind of who we are. Um, and then oh, yeah. that second part, the second circle in the Venn diagram is your ideal client. So who you're trying to reach and how they want to be spoken to. So you kind of have to do a little bit of market research, a little bit of stalking, go on your ideal client's Instagram pages and read how they're writing their caption and think like, what language are they using to describe their needs? And make sure you're using that language in your brand voice so that you're easily able to access them. I mean, that's just a great tip for selling in general. I mean, that's one of the things even in a consult call with a potential wedding client, I'll say, what are you worried about? And then they tell me, and then I talk about what they're worried about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> mirroring is so powerful. Yeah, I just use the exact same wording. Like, I'm not trying to be clever. I just want to be clear. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that cleverness versus clarity? I think they can both coexist beautifully, but I think clarity definitely needs to be there first. Yeah. I had someone say to me once, well, clarity's boring. And I was like, I don't know, friend. I think your word salad gymnastics is really tiring for my head and I can't take it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely people who can pull off both. And I mean, that's the gold standard. I, I work on that skill every day for my clients. But I think if you're choosing between the two and you're like, oh, I can't think of a pun or I can't name this offer something cute, you know, that's yes. when it's time to just name the offer what it is and move on. And right. when you have the shower thought, you can always go back and rework it. My favorite thing that I this my favorite mental gymnastics that I do with myself is that when I'm trying to name something like in the education space where I'm like, I like alliteration. I only like for the record, I only like alliteration when it's like the title of something. If I read someone else's like alliterative phrase, I'm like eye rolling like, <laughs> oh, this thing. But when I'm naming something, I'm like, well, it's got to be alliterative. Like what in the world? So that's why things are like spotlight sprint. Like, you know, like I I, I like the, the double, you know, the doubleness of that. Anyway, I think it's the Gemini in me now that I say. Yeah, that. I think you just had a realization. <laughs> dun dun. Uh, listen, this podcast is just about me finding shit about myself, y'all. <laughs> just kidding. You guys all get to listen in. Um, <laughs> talk to me about sales and copy because, you know, a lot of times, especially for my DIYers out there, I think that you think like, well, I couldn't possibly spend X amount of thousands of dollars on copywriting because I, you know, because it's a, like, too, big, too big of an investment. But I mean, if you're not doing the good copywriting, are you really selling? If you get good copywriting, is not helping you sell? Like, explain. Yeah, so I mean, the thing about copywriting is I joke that it's the salesperson who's selling for you while you're drinking mimosas. You know, no one wants to be on 800 sales calls a day just trying to explain why they're awesome. If you can have one page that just does it, rinse and repeat, and you just know if you send someone this link, they're just gonna give you their credit card and you're gonna call it a day. So that's the number one reason why I tell people to invest in copy is it's it might not make your sales skyrocket. It might, I mean, if your messaging's unclear, clearing up your messaging is like a really amazing quick fix to just skyrocket your business, but it's more to make it so your business is scalable. So your messaging is consistent. So your sales page is selling for you when you don't feel like being on. So you can make sure that you have multiple offers and those offers are clearly stated. So people coming into your world are able to choose the offer that's right for them. So I think that's like more of the dark horse benefits of copy. And it really takes copy from just being something that like makes you more money, makes you more sales, which I think is really prevalent in our industry as copywriters love boasting that like our sales page made like $112,000. We're like, yay, go 
us. Um, but I think it's so much deeper than that and so much more holistic. Would you say that if someone were looking to work with a copywriter, that they have to have a pretty good idea of like, or like they have to have their um, maybe packages or their products like pretty fleshed out before they come to you? Or is that something that you help people with? I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely, I love that part. I love like looking at the strategy and thinking, okay, how do these all things fit together? Um, but at the same time, the people who get the best results from working with a copywriter are people who have those that clarity on those, what I like to call basic things. So who are you serving? How are you serving them? How are you different in the market? And how do you add value with your services? So if that just made your head spin, it's time to get out a journal. Um. <laughs> oh, they know I love a journal. I mean, I yell every single episode, no matter what it is. I'm like, you guys should journal on that. Yeah. I'm like, let's write this down. <laughs> let's all write it down. Get it out. I want to dig back into the idea of the authenticity, right? Like marketing from a place of authenticity. Do you, in working with your clients, like, do you see like a lot of people are hesitant or, or fearful of like really being authentic? Absolutely. I mean, I think authenticity has just turned into such a buzzword where yeah. we don't really know where the line is, like what is private, what is something that we use in our brand. And I think that's a, you know, it's tough because obviously if you went through something really hard, maybe you haven't even fully healed from it or fully processed it, it can be hard to like display it to the world and be like, hey world, I'm not okay. But the truth yeah. is by embracing those imperfections to whatever degree you want to embrace them, you know, you don't have to tell all, but you know, no one really wants to hire a perfect person anymore. And I think that's beautiful. Um, right. It can really help the connection that you have with the people who are going to ultimately become your biggest fans. Yeah, I think the wedding world really struggles with the word authenticity or not, not the word, but like, the you know, the actual being authentic because of that, like you said, things we haven't healed from. And especially with this pandemic, this ongoing situation we find ourselves in, it's like I've had some even like mastermind students say to me, like, well, no one wants to hire a wedding planner who doesn't have their shit together. And I don't disagree with that. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is there has to we have to allow for our own humanity to come in and and even more than just our humanity, because that's at a base level. Sure, we're not robots, but also like what are things we truly believe in? What do we champion? What will we fight for? Right? Like these things are important. I mean, I look for them when I'm hiring someone. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I always say like, you don't want to like mess yourself up if you're like something where de attention to detail is really important or you need to be super organized and you say like, I'm the least organized person ever, you know, and that's like your right. whole like job description. Right. But I think you know, people are complex and I think it's a matter of being really unapologetic about the things you know you're so good at. Like flex, brag, especially for women, I think we have a harder time with this. But then also just being honest and being like, well, this is my limitation. Because the truth is that also is just going to set you up for setting really good boundaries in your business too. Yeah. Yes. I love the, the fine line between confidence and arrogance. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would argue most women do not get into arrogant zone. So just go for it. Yeah, I would argue that as well, Lucy. It's funny, too, because I had this conversation actually with my husband a couple of weeks ago. My husband and I have like a very um, like we will say things to each other that we wouldn't say to other people. Right. Like I will say like sometimes I even start things with him like, OK, this is going to sound like I'm bragging, but and then I'll share something like good that happened. Right. And he said to me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, you can leave that piece out. I never think that you're bragging. And I was like, oh, and he's like, save that shit for your girlfriends. <laughs> and I it made me giggle. And then it also made me feel like kind of shame because I was like, I don't even tell some of my girlfriends some of the good stuff that happens because I don't want anyone to think that I'm bragging. So it's like 
it is that that weird we're constantly playing with it and you know you and I are we're 20 years apart right how old are you now I'm sorry you answer that I'm 23 right I'm 46 right so I'm hope I'm hopeful that the 23 year olds out there don't have this particular situation but like I hear my mom's voice in my head being like nobody likes a bragger mm. which is like come on come on guys yeah. Get it together. I mean, I'd like, I wish we were beyond it, but the truth is I have so many clients that come to me that are like, um, I ask them like, what's your accomplishments or can you tell me some results you've had? And they'll be like, well, I grew a company to like $3.6 billion. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> why is this not on the about page? So I think a lot of my job actually comes from really diving into people and their story and their accomplishments and figuring out what's relevant. What are we going to like put front and center? How am I going to help them really beef up their case? So when people come on their website, they're like an instant yes. 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 You know, it was also a good... um. <laughs> this is funny. This was also a good like um, exercise for me is that so I'm also a public speaker and I go speak on stages and they always read my bio as I'm like waiting to go on stage. And lately, a lot of times I'm visible when this is happening because it's not much of a stage, right? It's like a little platform or you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'm right there and having to stand still and hear my own bio read about me and not make a face and not squirm and not do anything, but just receive these, these words that were written about me by my publicist, like that is also a very good exercise. So if you're listening to us and you're like, I couldn't possibly like write out a little buyer for you and make your partner read it while you stand there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, you like can't sweat, quick. you know, if you're on stage. No. I will say though, I actually do. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I really do sometimes tell the organizers like, you don't have to read that whole thing. <laughs> and they're like, no, I will. And then I'm like, no, you're right. You should read the whole thing. Cause it's not like it's a lie. I did all those things, but, um, yeah, it's authenticity and, and confidence and arrogance. It's also very interesting to me as a as a social experiment and an exercise, even in my own comfortability, because like, how do you help your clients? then if they're like, oh, I couldn't possibly put that on the about page, like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> how do you get them to say, OK, yes, it's it, we, we should do that? I usually don't get a yes. I usually say, OK, well, I'm going to write the page and then maybe you can sleep on it. And if you're really uncomfortable, we can always take it out. And how often do you take it out? Um, so honestly, very few times. Most of yes. the time, they just need to read it over a few times and say to themselves, okay, I actually did this. This actually is my story. And then it sinks in. And, you know, when they post it and they realize they don't have any haters for it or no one's giving them the side eye, they're like, oh, that's weird. Like all of my <laughs> thoughts that told me I was bragging are wrong. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to talk about, speaking of bragging, I want to talk about you because you started this copywriting business during the pandemic, right? I did, yes, pandemic business. Right after graduating from college. What was that like? Oh, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember I was in my senior year of college and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I know, really different story than everyone who ever went to college. Um, and all my friends were getting these like fancy jobs at consulting companies. And I was having these corporate interviews. And I just remember after every interview, I was like, please don't hire me. Like, please don't give me an offer because oh, wow. I, I just didn't want to be in the corporate world. I wanted to work for myself. And I think like I had that sub, like that intuitive voice saying like, go work for yourself. But I was really scared, especially cause I was like, what am I going to do? I don't even have a business idea. Um, so when everything shut down and, you know, it was really hard, frankly, to get a job, I was like, ah, you get what you wish for, I guess. Um, and I didn't have any jobs lined up. I was like, okay, well, this is my chance. I'm going to go move back in with my parents 
and I'm just going to start a business. I'm going to figure out what that business is when I get there. And I'm so young that if I fail, I'm just going to fall flat on my face and get back up and figure it out from there. Um, so I, I tested a few different things. I didn't start with copywriting. I thought, well, maybe I could be like a social media manager. I was a stylist for a little bit doing fashion. Um, but then I landed on copywriting and I was like, oh my gosh, this feels like such a fit. I mean, I had been writing for the past seven years. I've been writing content and I love sales and persuasion and helping women just build these amazing epic businesses so they can live the lives they want. So everything just kind of fell into place and then the real work started. The 14 hour days, the trying to connect with literally anyone who would talk to me, sending people my weird Google doc portfolio of God knows what kind of writing and just hoping I could sign a client. And I did sign my first client and you can ask my parents, I was literally jumping off the walls and I was like, I did it, I made it. It was the first time someone had ever paid me money and I, I just felt like I was on top of the world. And after that project, I was like, I think I found it. That's amazing. I love that. I do remember the first time I got paid to do a wedding. I was excited and then I instantly got nauseous. <laughs> you like pass out. You're like, I can't do it. I was like, oh, shoot. Now I have to do this. And I don't know. I don't really know them. Oh, my God. What's this going to be like? And then obviously you figure it out. Yeah. But um, so you scaled your business to six figures in the first two years. Yes. What's that like? So I always felt really lucky that I had really amazing like model parents in the business world of them telling me to go for my dreams. And I know that not everyone has that. I have a mom who built her psychology practice from the ground up. My dad has always been like very championing of me of just going for what I want. So I had two parents that would just celebrate right along next to me. Um, and, you know, I, I've had so many people to talk to about like wins and struggles. And my dad was like making spreadsheets to help me with my financials. So I just felt so supported. And I think that is such an underrated part of starting a business because I know so many yeah. people are like battling like voices that are like, you're never going to make it. You should just stop, do a safer path. And I never yeah. had that. So I think that was huge. And then obviously working my butt off um, in those early <laughs> days. I mean, I'm not going to just pretend that everything came into place. Um, so many rejections and just getting back up on my feet and, you know, chasing different things and trying different paths and following people with content that lights me up and honestly investing in my business. Like those first few months was whenever I would make money, I would think, okay, well, what do I need? And then I would get something professional so I can show up better the next time. So I think it was just a combination of all all these factors and the fact that I had the mindset pretty strong that I was able to yeah. scale quickly. What's your relationship with risk? I like to ask entrepreneurs this question because I, I have a theory about risk oh, and entrepreneurship. I will risk it all. I mean, I have ADHD, <laughs> so I guess that doesn't help. But I am like one of those people where it's like, go big or go home. If something's like on your heart, it's probably on your heart for a reason. So just try it. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Most entrepreneurs I know that are that are very successful are extremely comfortable with risk and will, and this is like a horrible metaphor, but like will throw themselves off the cliff and figure it out on the way down, right? Like yes. that's sort of how I feel about most things that I've accomplished. And like it was people say like, oh, have you done all this? I'm like, because I just do. I move into action. I figure it out as I go. I'm scrappy. I make it work. Like it's just, it's just how I'm built or how I have been built. I don't know that I've always been that way, but I am now. Um, and so I just love asking about that because I think the thing that holds so many people back 
from various reasons, right? Upbringing, you know, like you said, they might have had completely different parents than you have, Mm -hmm. have parents who said, no, you need a nine to five. You need to, you know, bring home a steady paycheck. Like if you have that influence in your ear, then taking that risk to work for yourself is very difficult. Like I still have some students who, you know, are wedding planning part time because they're like, I couldn't possibly leave my nine to five, but they really want to. Mm -hmm. And so I just think getting comfortable with risk is such a skill really that we don't talk about enough oh absolutely and there is something energetically that happens when you're just like i'm going all in um where things start to just work better when you know your body your mind your spirit is like all in on your passion so i would say anyone in the audience i'm not saying you know leave your job it's very important that you put food on the table if that is something you are worried about but maybe taking like if your job allows some sort of sabbatical making it so that you can experiment with going all in, especially if you're at the point where you're making roughly those 5K months. I feel like that's a really great like benchmark where you can say, okay, I'm validated. My offer is validated. People are paying me consistent money to do what I'm doing. I think it's time to go all in. I agree. I'm also a big fan of like, what do I need to make every month? And and then figuring out how to make it like, you know what I mean? Especially for wedding pros, like there tends to be this this thing of like, well, I didn't I didn't book enough people this month. And it's like, yes, I understand that. But also mindset wise and energetically, if you if you need it and you build it, you will you will make that money. And I know that that's people listening are gonna be like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Like the money mindset piece of this, like the, or just the mindset piece, I don't want to specifically say money, but just in general, the mindset piece of building a business and and also scaling a business to six figures, you cannot underestimate the mindset piece. Like if you believe that you can do it, you will do it. Yeah, it it really, and I think, like, especially as we talk about like the energy around it. I mean, I, I use energy and mindset kind of interchangeably. I know they're very different, but it's the idea of your internal world really is going to shape what you attract in the outside world. You know, if you're really confident in who you are and you're always doing that work to make sure you're like, okay, I'm going to show up as my best self and I'm going to serve people at the highest level that I can today, that shows. And even on sales calls, people will be like, wow, I want to work with her. So it's really just a matter of doing that personal development. I mean, I think I did more personal development when I started a business than any other time in my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done more personal development in the last 12 years. My whole life, I feel like my entire life is personal development. And I'm happy for it. I'm proud of it because I'm constantly learning. Listen, I'm in a class right now. I'm in Denise Duffield Thomas's um, Sacred Money Archetypes class because I'm so curious about, like you mentioned earlier, like the Enneagram, the the, the Briggs. Like, I just want to know more about myself and therefore other people. Like, fascinating stuff we're learning. But, like, I'm constantly in a class of some kind because it also keeps me sharp. It keeps me invested. It keeps me interested. Interested and interesting. <laughs> How about that? I want to ask you about... Because you mentioned, you know, when you started, there was a lot of like, you know, emailing and hoping that people would hire you. How do you deal with rejection? And I'm specifically asking you this because generationally, you and I are very different. So and there's much has been said about your generations, like everyone got a participation trophy. Yes. So like, how, how do you deal with rejection? I mean, I did not get a participation trophy growing up. I luckily had parents that were like, you're not good at this, but you're really good at this. So it was balanced. <laughs> Thank you. Parents. Yeah. Thank you. Parents. Um, yes. So I think, you know, just it's, it comes down to resilience and also just a, a healthy dose of realizing not everyone's going to like you. Um, some rejections are going to just hurt like shit. And like, there's no oh, avoiding yeah. that. You know, if there's like mm-hmm. a dream client or even like in your life, if you like meet your dream partner and then they leave, you know, like that, that stuff is just, 
it's going to hurt and it's going to take time to heal. But I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's it's the little rejections that happen every day. The person who ghosted you and you sent an email or the person who came back after you spent some time on a proposal and said, well, we're going to go a different direction. And I think those things, you get better with time and then eventually you're like, okay, well, they weren't the right fit and that's okay. And you get back up and you move on and the next day is a new day and you find people who do say yes. And then you start to internalize, okay, well, some people say no to me, but a lot more are saying yes to me. And when you can start to build that momentum, the no's just get to be a little less heavy. Yeah. I love what you said about not taking it personally too, because I know um, early on I did the same thing, or I would say maybe not personally, but instead of thinking like, maybe there's something wrong with my product or package, I'd be like, oh, they must not have liked me. (laughs) Yeah, it's so (laughs) easy to do. Which like may or may not be true. And also I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to attract people who who don't get it, who don't get me. So I think like, I don't know, for me, rejection is always interesting because I was an actor. So rejection was just part of the daily, every day. Absolutely. I mean, if you're performing, that's like next level rejection. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But you know what? It's... um, I think, I mean, I'm not going to say it's healthy because I don't think it is. I think performers um, and the the whole workflow of like constantly auditioning every day, every day, every day and like saying no, no, no all the time. Like that is a different sort of <laughs> mental illness. Um, but I do think it helps in the entrepreneurial space to not to just train yourself to not take it also personally. Yeah. I mean, that can that advice on its own can just help you in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So for our listeners who are maybe wanting to work with a copywriter, not really sure if they should, why they should, when they should. What's what's your feeling? If no one, if someone has never worked with a copywriter, what are some clues that they can say like, oh, maybe this means I should I should work with someone? Yeah, I think it's definitely different for every person. I think having those foundational questions answered and knowing that your offer is validated. So maybe you've booked like, you know, four weddings in a quarter and you're like, oh, I'm starting to kind of pick up steam. I always think that's a really great time to take the next step to hire a copywriter. And when it comes to finding someone to hire, really look for someone where you just like where you just vibe with their work. They don't have to have the same voice that you have because a good copywriter will not write in their voice, they'll write in your voice. Um, but really just make sure that you like the flow of the writing, the style, look, ask for their analytics, ask for their results, ask for past clients, see like who they're working with, because really you're kind of hiring someone who's going to pretend to be you and write your website. So you want to make yeah. sure that there's a fit there. 100%. I also think too, like, at least in my lived experience, like when it was, po- when it was um, like profitable and also like a good collaboration for me to hire a copywriter was when I actually had enough business under my belt to say what I didn't want in addition to what I did want. Yeah, that's big. Right. Because I was like, at first, like, I know I said this many times on the show, but like I when I started, I was like, I just want to book any wedding. Like, I'll take any wedding. I wanted the experience of doing the work. And then I shortly realized, like, of course, not every wedding is the right wedding. Not every client is the right client. And But at first, I didn't really have a lot of words for what I did want. I had a lot of words for what I didn't. And I think sometimes, um, even though it feels like, well, I don't want to go negative, it's like, okay, a good copywriter can help you turn that around. But if you at least have, okay, I don't want to work with clients that want this anymore. Mm-hmm. Back in, back in my day, it was like, no more burlap, no more mason jars, right? Like, that was the first thing I said. Like, absolutely not. It was an easy springboard to have my copywriter ask me questions that were like, okay, well, then what is it that you do want? And like, me being from New York City originally, and now in LA for all these years, it's like, 
there's a really specific aesthetic that I really do well, which is like an effortless elegance. Like it's elegant, but it's not super fussy and it doesn't feel like we tried so hard, even though we did. And it doesn't look like it's super expensive, even though it is like that's the vibe. And it took me probably six years to hone in on that, which is way too long. I, I mean, well, I love because, that, though. Because I'm impatient. It was way too long. But I'm saying, like, it doesn't happen overnight, yeah. I don't think. No, definitely not. I mean, I always joke, that person that you're following where you're like, I'm obsessed with their simple, clean, modern brand. It's so pretty. It's so simple. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think you want to know how much money they spent on that brand, you know, because right. it's like the things that are simple or the things that we take for granted, they've all been curated in the online space. I mean, you had to mull over who you wanted to work with for years. Like this stuff doesn't just yeah. fall into your lap. It's a really intentional process that needs to be given energy. I agree. And I think the only true like problem here is just not asking yourself the questions and not doing the work of the introspection part, because I think it's easy to keep your head down and just do the be in the work. Mm -hmm. Right. But you also have to take a, a wide lens and look at the work that you're doing and say, like, OK, am I happy with this? Who is this for? How can I refine this? You know, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's so easy to just go through the motions, especially if you're drowning. And if you are drowning, that's another really great time to think, who can you hire? Um, yes. But, always. you know, if you are in the work and you're always in your business, it's really hard to take time to work on your business. And it's that on part that really lets you grow. Yeah. What's your feeling on like, I know there's like common sort of copyright uh, best practices out there. Like every page should have a call to action. Um, your about page should really be about your client, not you. Like, do you have any of those hard and fast rules that you use? Yeah, I always say that um, copy isn't writing. It's a conversation. Um, Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so I always say that one because truthfully, when people are going on your website, they're not reading it like they would read a Hemingway book. They're reading it to get a sense of you. So if you can kind of hop off the page with your voice and just be like, hey, friend, like that'd be a really weird way to write an essay. But that's probably how you'd actually talk to your ideal client if they were in your living right. room. So I, yeah. that's always my, my big thing to go to. I love that. I think sometimes we get lost in like the rules, right? Like, oh, we have to say, we have to say it this way. Or you have to say, you know, uh, every page has to end with click here to learn more or whatever. And I mean, maybe it does. But I also feel like if you would never tell someone like, ask me to learn more. Like you would never say that. Like yeah. a lot of, a lot of times when I'm writing sales pages, especially for like in-person events and it comes to like the button that says that, that like is like click here to get like to enroll or click here when I'm on someone's sales page and it's like click here to, uh, to like change your life. I'm always like, I roll full eye roll. So when I write my pages, it's always just like, yep, give me one or I'm in like, uh, that is how my brain works when I look at a button where I'm like, yep, I'll take it. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's what I want to read. I don't want to read like some, you know, click here for your whole entire experience to elevate and be changed forever. I'm like, no, I don't want it. You're like, am I going but to that's my dimension? personality. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going to go into a new dimension of consciousness. It's like, no, dude, you're buying a ticket for a conference. Yeah. You're good. You're good. But that's me. That's my little snarky voice. What I love, you guys, Lucy has the coolest thing on her website. I took it this morning. <laughs> Tell them about your quiz on your website. I love it. Yeah. So if you head to findmybrandvoice.com, I have something called What's Your Brand Voice? It's a quiz. I wrote it like a BuzzFeed quiz. So it's very um, relaxed. Um, and essentially, it gives you your adjectives as a starting point springboard so you can figure out your brand voice. And then I show you how to write in your brand voice so you can actually embody it. 
I don't know that anyone will be surprised by this, but my results were that I am sassy, witty, and zesty, which is a word that I did not know I loved. <laughs> Such a good word. It makes me think of zesty. like cooking something, like actually cooking like a yeah. dish that I'm going to serve. Like, oh, I'm going to make it's it like zesty. Spicy. But yeah, I, I think it's it's in my dictionary now too. I love it. And I love it in your, in this, like when you get your results, you get like an email that says your results and it says like, you know, you might want to use caps or a bold. And I'm like, oh my God, I do that all the time. In fact, I think I drive my virtual assistant crazy because she'll write my emails for me. And then I'll go back and be like, I'll put like M dashes and, and everything gets bigger. And it's like, oh my God, what's happening? It's like, you're yelling. I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes you just have to yell about sometimes something. Sometimes I have to scream. I'm very excited. And then I just say like, hey, sorry, I screamed. <laughs> but like, but I have to go there. What are the other um, like answers? Because I don't know. I only know my own. Oh, well, what else could people be? Oh, um, I have four different answers. I'm not going to give the whole answer. I'm just going to tease oh, them. Okay. Um, but one is being empathetic. One is being quite direct. And one is being kind of fancy intimidating. And if you get one of those answers, it will be built out much, much more. Um, and you will get to see how you can be yourself. And as you can hear from Renee, obviously, um, I have killer algorithm skills because she got placed into the perfect bucket. Yeah, I'm like, for sure, for sure, for sure, those things. And you know, what's interesting is that I am also, therefore, I think, attracted to brands that have a similar voice. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking specifically about, I don't know if you know her, her name, uh, this woman named Ash Ambridge. She is a, she's a writer, copywriter, and she now has a different business. But when I first became aware of her, it was many, many years ago. And her brand was called The Middle Finger Project. That's such a good name. <laughs> and she has a book by the same name. Now she's, um, she's actually transformed her business and she's writing about digital nomads. And she has like a membership for digital nomads, which I'm a member of. And yet I'm not a digital nomad. And that's how much I love her writing because um, it's so it so speaks to me because she is like sassy, irreverent, goes off on these kind of non sequiturs, tangents, really creative. And then you're like, wait, where are we going with this? It's like a wild ride when you read one of her newsletters. <laughs> I need to check her out because I yeah, love that gosh. and I am a digital nomad. <laughs> her new. Oh, God, her new company is called like Vivette or something. I'll put it in the show notes. Cool. I think I'm saying it wrong. But if you look up the Middle Finger Project, that's her not like that's the book she wrote. But then she's she's like moved away from that because Middle Finger Project and all the expletives is a little bit hard to market. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Um, so, yeah, I love I just love you know what I love. I mean, I love a lot, Lucy, but I also love that now, you know, I'm 12 years into my business and I feel like we're so much more free to to self-express. We're so much more free to be ourselves. We're so much more free to like do something a little bold and crazy and like see what happens. I think the thing that I would want to say, and then I want your last words too, is like, just don't be afraid of your own voice. Like just try it out. What's the worst that can happen? What are you going to lose an Instagram follower? Okay. Bye. Like what's literally, what's the worst that can happen if you just try to be a little bit more yourself? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, so many, I, I mean, to add to that, I always say, like, if someone's going to give you hate or someone is going to say something mean about you, like, would you want to switch lives with them? And if the answer is no, well, then why are you letting this bog you down? Most people who are really top of their field, really just amazing people, amazing business owners, they're not going to be the people that say negative things about you being yourself. So just surround yourself with people who inspire you to be better and inspire you to be more of who you are. 100%. There's a great quote that I'm probably going to butcher because I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like, I would never take criticism from someone who's not on the field playing the game. Yeah. 
I think that's like a Brene Brown. I'm, I'll probably I'll find it and post it. But like I thought that was always so telling, too, because it's like it's always the people who are so critical or the ones who are like taking no risks, making like making no choices, not doing any self-development, like kind of existing in their sort of mediocrity that they're very ready to be like, how dare you? It's like, well, how dare you not do anything? What are we all here for, you know? Yeah, I mean, a physical manifestation of that is when you get hate on an Instagram reel or whatever, and then you click on the profile and you're like, oh, you have no posts and no profile picture. So thank you for just giving me hate and not showing who you are. Right, right. I always wonder about online hate. I mean, I don't get that that much of it. I have a couple of things over the years. um, And it's always interesting to me that I'm like, why would someone take time out of their day to leave a comment or write or worse, write an email to me about like, my weight or what I'm wearing or something political that I said, like, just keep it moving, people. Don't you have anything else better to do? Like, I don't. It's interesting to me. I mean, listen, everyone should feel free to express themselves, I suppose. But like, I just don't have that kind of time. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it moving. All right, Lucy, where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) The kids, the kids don't call it that, actually. No. (laughs) All the kids do. They do. (laughs) So you can, if you are super intrigued by that brand voice quiz that we were chatting about, you can head to findmybrandvoice.com and take that quiz. Um, If you are a social media person, I am on Instagram at myrighthandwoman is the handle. So right is spelled like writing. Um, I'm also newly on TikTok. So you can head to TikTok too at myrighthandwoman, same handle. Um, And if you were listening to this episode and you actually want to work together, whether that's hiring me as a copywriter or seeing some of the different offers that I do offer, you can head to my website, myrighthandwoman.com. Again, right spelled like writing. And um, you can just reach out by clicking that contact page. If contact pages seem weirdly cold, you can just send me a DM on Instagram and we can talk about partnering (laughs) up. That's totally fine too. And because you guys um, are listening to this episode, if you use the code Renee20, you will actually get 20% off of my entire template shop. So if you need help writing your web copy or help developing your brand voice, but are just totally not ready to fully outsource quite yet, um, that's a really great option. So that coupon code is going to be Renee20, and it gives you 20% off the template shop. Lucy, that's amazing. Thank of you. Of course. You guys, have you? don't ever say we never gave you anything because Lucy just gave you the biggest gift. I love that there's a template shop. I love that there's a coupon code. You guys, if your copy sucks, if your website is just not converting, or worse, if you don't think it sounds like you, or if it sounds like everyone else in your market, please go give Lucy a follow. Go to her website. Check out that quiz. It was so super fun. And uh, Lucy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I had so much fun. Yay, me too. All right, friends, thank you for spending your time with us this week. I know your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of, and so I am always extremely grateful that you shared it with us. We will see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.